here. <laughs> so I'm going to say something. And, you know, this is, all right, so in this, in the way we present it, we use a couple of words that's sort of important. So selfing is one of the words. Yeah? So the idea of self, from where I'm coming from, is the feeling, the sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, you know, a body, basically. Yeah, so that's the feeling. It's not a feeling; it's a sense, like a vagueness, you know, like an assumption that always is taken for granted, but very rarely questioned. So that sense. So selfing, and what produces the selfing or is doing it? What's implying that you're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a body, is the thought system. Yeah. So, and the thought system. This idea of selfing, its main theme is, is to claim. So it doesn't have a life, but it claims yours. Yeah? So those are important to remember. Just And the idea of an action figure is just a body. Yeah? This is an action figure. Okay? And then there's big M mind, which is everything. All thing, nothing, the usness, the isness, the thusness, being, awareness, whatever name you want to use to point to it. But it's not the mental process. It's not the perceptional process. The perceptions can be manipulated. You can take a drug right now and you'd be seeing, you would be receiving totally different in 40 minutes, yeah? If it was good, 30 minutes, good drug. It's faster. Because usually that's what you want, quicker hit. Yeah, this isn't that. This is, so the, the mental process is not big in mind. It's a mental process. And that mental process of selfing, its main movement is the claim. And what it does is it claims faculties that it really has nothing to do with and says it has everything to do with it. So, it believes when it, when you experience seeing, which is an activity going on right now, yes, everyone in this room is seeing, aren't they? You're just sitting here. And let's say you were dreaming last night, and you were dreaming about Schenectady or New Jersey, and you came to, how long would it take for that to happen? As soon as you open your eyes, there it is, Yes? And does, do you get, at 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, do you start getting tired of seeing things? No. I mean, do you have to take a seeing class and then... No. And this is, so you're going to be seeing better or the same thing, hearing better? No. It's the most natural thing. No thought or effort. Really, no vigilance. No re-upping, no workouts, nothing, yeah? Your inherent onness is the easiest freaking thing going, yet it's always going. Even when you close your eyes, consciousness hasn't closed, has it? It's almost like horses behind the island, ready to go, yes? So this thing just <coughs> blocks it out, but it's, it's, it's always on. And we ha all of us as bodies have five senses, yes? So consciousness or awareness, whatever you want to call it, is flooding through five gates. And that's the experience. That's the life of experience. Life of experience is conscious contact. Consciousness in contact with the seeming outside and producing experiences. Yes? So you hear, feel, taste, touch, smell. And in Buddhism, they would say there's a sixth sense, which is the, the mind seeing or hearing thoughts. Yeah? So the thoughts about what we see, hear, feel, taste, and touch is something else that's being sensed or heard. Yeah? Now, if you look at your life, maybe when you were young, there's proven research that the sense of self, the sense of being a someone, doesn't arise for maybe, maybe 15 to 18 months in a baby. So we have, quote-unquote, lived here without a sense of self. Quite well, actually. Yes? So the sense of self is produced by the mental state. So it produces it, and then for it to keep on going, it has to reinforce it quite a lot, because it doesn't have a life of its own. It has to be sort of remembered. Yeah? So a sense of self isn't self-producing. 
it doesn't exist. It appears to exist, yeah, to us, but it doesn't have its own existence. We are existing right now. We may say it's the body, but it isn't the body. It's life in it, yeah? Because if this body died, this eye wouldn't see a damn thing or facilitate seeing anything. But if you took it and put it in a live body, it would facilitate seeing again. So it's not the body. The body is like lenses of a camera. Instead of just seeing, getting, making pictures, you're making felt pictures, smell pictures, heard pictures, yes? But it's not the camera that's living. It's what's seeing through the camera. That spirit, or whatever you want to call it, a wham is being. Yep. So, this idea that we're in conscious contact, the mental state becoming aware of that, or cognizant of it, it tells a story about it. Yeah, It tells a story about seeing, and the story is, I'm seeing you. I, this vague I, not consciousness, I, the body, basically, am seeing you as a body. So what happens? Or this, I'm hearing, so now there's the hearer, and there's the heard, and in that little, let's say, distinction, you lose the sense of hearing, which is the onness of life. Yeah, The pulse of life is hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, and touching. Not seer, see or seen, hear or heard, feel or felt, smell or smelt. That's not. That is an interpretation. Seeing is conscious contact. Hearing is conscious contact. Feeling is conscious contact. Feel or fiend is an interpretation. Feel or fiend? Well, that was nice. The feel or felt, the see or seen, the hear or he- heard. Yes? You see it? It's a seemingly a very small distinction, but it's happening all day. So, the displacement may be seemingly very, very, very minor, but after 40 years, it's pretty extreme, to the point where you're living an interpretation of life, sort of like when you were young, life was happening, now it's happening to me, which is not it, that's a story. Yes? Yes. So, this is the selfing. The selfing claims something that it doesn't actually have a right to, by doing exactly that. It takes consciousness, the seeing, and it makes us, it emphasizes the seer and the seeing. Yeah? That's the interpretation. Now, maybe it's going great for you, but a lot of people, that, that displacement from being in the life for, and, and having it replaced with an interpretation has produced a certain irritability, a restlessness, a discontent, an inability to actually, quote-unquote, be where they are, so then they have books come out like how to be in the moment and people of a certain nature, sort of like maybe people like the ones here would go out and buy that book with the hopes that they could learn how to get into the moment. And usually they won't even read the whole book, but they'll buy the second edition, which is how to really get into the moment. And then they'll even half of that and they'll order the third edition expecting that it's more like expert or pro and then it's really, really get into the moment. But the fact that's being misunderstood is you and I can't be out of a moment. You and I have never, ever been out of any moment. The mental state has said it has the power to have us out of the moment, but it has no power. Only what it can convince us of can seem to be real. Yes, yeah. So, this idea of being into the moment is prefaced on the idea, an insane assumption that you could be out of the moment. And when you were young, you weren't entertaining that idea. When you were playing when you were young, you weren't going home and critiquing your playing. Going, I should have been playing more. You know, I had the six army men. I, why didn't I get into World War III? You know, none of that was going on. There was just playing. Yeah? And when you were playing, you weren't worrying, will I be playing next week? Because time hadn't set up yet. Yeah? You had no idea of freaking time. You weren't walking around your house thinking your room was too small or your mother was ugly. And, hey, Mom, you got to start dressing better. And none of that was going on. This all came later. This got developed. It got developed, yes? By what? Not the elbow, not the knee, but by the mental state. So, the thought system is the main 
facilitator of the bondage of the mind to this idea of being a self. How does it do it? Simply this. I've seen the beast completely from head to toe. Believe it or not. (laughs) I am not here to misinform you. I'm here to save you a lot of time if you have the ears to hear and the eyes to see. But I am humbly attempting to save you a whole lot of fucking time and trouble. So, the thought system that we're... Basically, the GPS of our lives is the thought system. This is most of the time. And then when you're, talk, you're, you're talking about the heart, you're usually thinking about it. So, again, the heart is referred to by the thought. The thought seems to be, you know, it's basically everything seems to start at after I think. Boom. But what really we are is before I think. Yeah. But after I think, we're what we're not, basically. Because what you can think about you is the thought system thinks about you, any thought system, as a body. So when you're going over how you're doing, it's a body. It's going over. When it's thinking about you in the past, it pictures you as a body. If you knew me and you thought about me as the past, in the past, you'd be picturing me as a body. When you're worrying about you in the future, you're worrying about you as a body. Yes? And it's doing the exact same thing. The thought system remembers you in the past as a body to remember you now as a body. It worries about you and your condition as a body and a brain. The mental state is in the brain, or it's produced by the brain. You're worried about what's going to happen to you in the future, but the mental state's using that to remember you as a body now. So while you're obsessing over you in the future and the past, it's being used to remember you as a body now. So what? Maybe that's great. But if you're not a body, there can be a little bit of a problem with that. Yeah? If you're not a body, there may be a certain disconnect or irritability or restlessness or a vague sense of something's not right, because it isn't. It isn't right. You've got the cart in front of the horse instead of the horse in front of the cart. The cart may be beautiful and may the wheels may be oiled up and really spin well, but it's not, it doesn't have the locomotion that the freaking horse has. Yeah? You're not really going anywhere. You look like a look good, like, a, what do they call those floats in a parade, but you're not really going anywhere. <laughs> so, this is more about recognizing the cart as a cart, and then by realizing that, you may find out what the horse is. Yeah? But you're not going to know the horse from the cart. No fucking way. You have to just sort of negate the cart and there's the horse, so to speak. All right, so the thought system is basically our GPS for most people, yes? And it's a very old GPS. It has ancient maps. And it's always referring what's happening now to past maps. And when you take the suggestions, you get led astray, most places, don't you? Really. You're thinking, this guy's going to be great, and two months later... He's up on stalking charges. You know, things happen like that. This is what occurs. We're not seeing things too clearly. Because it's sort of like we're living with wraps of saran wrap. You know saran wrap? If you put one wrap around, you could still say you're seeing, but it would be starting to get a little blurred. But after 10, it's sort of skeptical, really. Are you really seeing when you go? It's like looking through a Coke bottle. You're basically just, just surmising or, you know, you're just speculating, really, about what's going on, because you really, you're in the word you're seeing, but you're really not seeing. Well, this is what the selfing is like. Yes, it causes us, we, it can't get rid of the seeing, but it can use it to become blind to itself by another form of seeing, like an adulterated form of seeing called uh, looking, which is self-centeredness. Yeah? So most of us are looking at life as how it pertains to me, or life is happening to me. That's called self-centered. So everything is centered on self. And if you're not that, then everything's going to be off for you, really. So, you, know, you may be aware of it. Some people are acutely aware of it, like addicts and stuff, but they don't know what's really going on. But they damn well know they want to get out of something. And they want to get out of self, 
but they get caught because selfing is an incredible little parasitical movement. Yeah? And it's very much like a parasite. It doesn't have a life, so it claims one. And knowing its hostility to the hosts, because most hosts, if they could see it coming, they would protect themselves. And if they saw it up, a grab on, they would knock it off. Well, this parasite, you ever, have you ever checked out parasites in nature? There's some very interesting ones. A new one they discovered, they give it the short name of Toxo. Yeah, sounds like a friend. Toxo, it's Toxo something something, and it's in the human brain in about I think one third of the humans, but it's in mostly mammals, stuff like rats and mice and monkeys, I guess, and it has only one drive, which is to procreate or to reproduce, and it can only reproduce in the stomach of a cat. Now that's severely limiting to get your agenda met if you're a, a, a parasite that has no arms or legs. You can't call out and. Sh- can you have a cat come over? We'll have some lovely Kenny G music and maybe something can happen with me and cat. No. So it has to do what? It only has one form of transportation, which is the rat or the mouse. So it jacks up into the rat's head or the mice head, mouse head, and it convinces the rat and why not and doesn't it doesn't take much. It tells the rat to run to the cat. So the rat will run to the cat and go, please eat me. The cat kills it, eats it, and the toxo has arrived at its destination, the cat's stomach. Yeah? You don't think you're, that's happening to you? Give me a freaking break. You're freaking like Swiss cheese. Jeez, things are taking you over every freaking day for transportation. Yes? Feelings. I call them mental winds. You're like a flute that a lot of things want to play, wants to play to find expression here. They don't have arms and legs, but you do. Yeah? And so they jack into the thought system and they convince you of things. And when they convince you of things, first they're starting to talk to you, seemingly, like trying to convince you. But there's a point when they start talking as you and then the game's on. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, this is... (laughs) (laughs) it seems like a big dilemma and it is and in fact though it ain't so I don't know if you ever heard of Sri Ramana Maharshi very famous saint people want to look into him I think he died in 52 or 50 from India of course many of them are and uh, he there's a lot of stuff out but he he gives us a warning Maybe this will, you know, if the shoe fits, wear it. Yeah, here we go. So the warning is this. Presupposing, yeah, not just supposing, because the supposing of the mental state presupposes that you are there. See? So the supposing presupposes you are th- you're there. Oh, you'll see it. I'll explain it. So presupposing the existence of a non-existent thing. And then wanting to get salvation for that imaginary thing. Yeah? This is the dilemma. There's a presupposing. This is the mental state. The presupposing you're, you're a body and a mental bo- and a men, you know, mentality alone. No spirit, no being, no awareness, no consciousness. Consciousness is an attribute you have. You can become more conscious or less consciousness. It doesn't see it as all there is is consciousness. It sees it all there is is you. Yeah. So this presupposing the this presupposing of the existence of a non-existent thing is the main dilemma of all spiritual practices. Yeah. Because in a sense, most spiritual practices start after the fact of this. The presupposing of the non-existent thing is in place. You're taking yourself to be the non-existent thing. And now you want to get out of the non-existent thing, or you want to get salvation for the non-existent thing, or freedom for the non-existent thing, when the freedom is from the non-existent thing. Yeah? Follow it? So there's an act that you're identified as this, but let's just say the way you hold this isn't really the this, yeah? So now, this is being presupposed as the existent thing, yet inherently it's non-existent, yeah? So now we start 
from here with the hopes of getting relief, not from the non-existent thing, but for the non-existent thing. Because we're identified as the thing. We're not identified what's prior to the thing, which is the spirit of the awareness. We have become identified with the non-existent thing. Yeah? So here you go. When your practices themselves become a means of giving life to the non-existent thing, how can they destroy it? So if you read that, humbly saying, let's say the non-existent thing is claiming to be the one who's meditating, let's say, just as a simple word. So now it's meditating to maybe get out of itself, which is a non-existent thing. While it's meditating, the meditation may be used by the non-existent thing, which is the mental process, to claim that the non-existent thing is just who? The meditator. Yeah. So now you're stuck in a dilemma. The more you meditate, you hope you're going to meditate yourself out of the meditator, but this humble master of great esteem is telling you that ain't going to work. Because every bit of meditation you do, maybe, maybe, it's not necessarily so if you wake up to it, but if you're asleep to it and you're starting at the false reference, what you do is going to be used to point to the doer, which is called bondage of self. Yes? What you see is, is going to point, not that you won't have the sense of seeing, which implies something much greater. You'll have that's the sense that will be produced out of seeing after it's claimed is the seer seen which is what's called duality in this world, or subject-objectness. And this is the dilemma of two-ness seeking oneness. And the whole point, two-ness is never going to fit into oneness. It's the denial of the two-ness is the oneness. Yes? Not a mental denial, but a recognition of the fact that that is seemingly happening. And realizing it is impossible for actually to be occurring, and then there you are. You fall back into what you used to be looking to get to. You fall back into the oneness, yes? You don't arrive, you're never going to find the oneness from two-ness, but if the two-ness is negated, that's the oneness. Yeah? So here it says, he emphasizes this with it. He says, to try to destroy this imaginary self by practices is to be just like a thief turning himself into a policeman to catch the thief who is none other than himself. I'll say that again. This is the trick of mind. I know it's new, so just do yoga with the body. Don't even go yet. Just enjoy the... And yeah, don't think about it. Just enjoy the space. You'll sense something that's is more important than the words. Yeah, you will. Don't worry. I have faith in this process because I've been in it for years. So yeah, don't try to figure. Well, try to figure out, and then you'll get exhausted, and you'll there'll be a sense of ha. You know, yeah. Like it, it works this way. So I'll say it again. Some for the you know if it's if the shoe fits, wear it. Yeah, you know. It'll, some people will recognize what they call themselves in this, this reacting, reenacting, yeah? But obviously you're not that. That's the beautifulness of recognizing it. What you truly recognize it when it, you allow it to be you as much as possible, you realize it ain't. While you're trying to fight it off, it has you. Yeah? So here, to destroy this imaginary thing through practices, is to be just like a thief. This is the, you know, the picture he's painting. It's, it's just like being a thief, yeah, who turns himself into the policeman who now is going to catch the thief who is none other than himself. You see? You could save a lot of trouble. <laughs> Or you'll go through this charade for a long time, and then whatever you're doing will exhaust itself, and in that way it will serve you. Because then you will realize you are what you've been looking for, literally. 
Not as a body, but as what you are. Or as they say, the seeker is the sort. They have all these little cryptic statements. St. Francis had a famous one. What's looking is what you are looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So, what happens? After the selfing has completed admission, that's a fact. You are this long-action, long-living action figure. Before it happens, it's not a fact. You and I are before it happens, knowing it or not. When you're doing yoga and you lose yourself in the pose, that's where you are finding yourself. It's prior to anything, not after something. When you leave this class and your head starts critiquing you for you didn't, wasn't good at that thing, that's now that little... Lie is a fact, and you're speaking from there. Yes? So the non-existent thing is now taken to be the thing, and it's revealing what it did to become an unthing. And you're not doing well. You've got to do more yoga, or more this, or more that. Yes? And it'll just feed you, feed you, feed you, feed you more, more, more. But the more doing, the more doer, in some sense. It doesn't have to be the case. But if it's not noticed... That it's sort of like a little bit of a miscalculation, the first step of all journeys. Yeah? Yeah. So there you are, and then there's the presentation of the mental state that you're something else. And maybe you forget what you are, and you take yourself to be that, and that becomes the starting point. And that's the first step, or the, actually the stance for the first step, and it's just a tiny little bit off, yeah? Tiny little bit off. But now, let's say you put 50,000 steps after it. At the 10,000 step, it's pretty freaking way off. And 40,000, way off. 50,000, way off. Because this is going to be influential on every other step because it set the direction. Yeah? It's sort of like, this now becomes your shadow that, yourself, that you take yourself to be the real thing. You take that to be the real thing, yet it's a shadow. It's actually, you're prior to it, but you're allowing it to tell you you're after it. Yeah. And then, the thought system is in a very mutated way looking at you as an object and critiquing your ass and judging your ass and measuring your ass literally and figuratively to other people's asses and so on and so forth. Yeah? So the thought system now is looking at you as an object and it's raining down its complementary critiques. <laughs> All for the good, it tells you, yes? But this, from the prior point, you're seeing the thoughts. You're not the object that the thoughts are seemingly looking at. You're seeing thoughts. And it's very clear when you see a thought, they're not yours. Yeah? They have to be claimed first to become yours. And once you own them, they start owning you. As simple as that. You can play it out for 12 hours. You want to make it shorter? Sleep later. But still it's going to fucking go on. It is. I'm telling you. There's no exemptions. They'll use the word all and everything. That's pretty comprehensive. You know, just like the Course in Miracles. You ever hear of that? No? Yes, Course in Miracles, interesting, very interesting download happened in the 70s. But they have a lovely lesson in their book, Lesson 2, that says, you and I give everything all the meaning it has. So everything in all is pretty comprehensive. Yeah, It's not like the government when they say something like imminent means... If you are even thinking of fucking with me, we can blow you up. That's, but that's not the definition of imminent. They make it something else. But you can't really... There's no loopholes in everything at all, is there? It's like it's sort of comprehensive. So you and I give everything <laughs> and all the meaning it has. Now, now, what the hell... So what the hell is giving you meaning? The head is, isn't it? Isn't the head critiquing your ass every day? Yes. And, you know, what's your grade average? Maybe B plus if you do a lot of shit. And if you miss yoga, it's a C minus. You have your little mental account up there and it's a see if you've accrued enough value to have a long latte or something tonight. Whatever. It's fucking unbelievable. It's slavery. 
I know it's funny when you're under the yoke of it, but it's slavery. It's a slavery. The mental state has enslaved us to its, to its take on life through identification with it. Yeah? If you see you're not that, and I humbly, humbly hope it happens for everyone in this room, the first thing, what happens in the mind when it sees it's not that, the first thing that it can entertain is, I can be free from it. Because if you see it as a foreign installment or as a parasitical movement, something that pictures a, a picture of difference, your mind can grok it. I'm not that. I don't have to fucking work for that. I don't have to try to tie to that. I don't have to try to convince that. Please don't fuck up this next three-month relationship. You know what I mean? Please, please let me just go to the picnic and not flip out. You know what I mean? These very high, high levels of success we're shooting for now. Under slavery, just a little break seems like a big break. But what would happen if it wasn't you? Just possibly. If it isn't you, you can be free from it. Not get a vacation from it, not get a reprieve from it, but freedom, radical freedom from it. So now the thoughts aren't seen as yours, the feelings aren't seen as yours, the actions aren't seen as yours, yet there are actions, there's feelings, there's thoughts, but they don't seem to be yours. And in that you start traveling lighter here. And it stabilizes. It becomes the new norm of the baseline. Instead of a slight or extreme irritability, restlessness, and content, now there's an ease and comfort and a contentment. And that's your starting point. And I'll tell you, the pursuit of happiness looks a lot different from contentment, from satisfaction, than it does from irritability and dissatisfaction. You're going to be speeding into the pursuit of happiness. You may just be strolling. You may not even get up for the pursuit of happiness anymore. (laughs) You may have called off the race. And see what happens. Then you get a feeling of being led instead of leading. Of being directed instead of directing. Yes? Of being meditated instead of meditating. Because we're being meditated all day. Consciousness does not blink, doesn't miss a breath, it never turns away, it's always incessantly on. Yeah? Yeah. It's a humble message, but I've entertained it for years now. And I'm here to tell you, even on the basis level of day-to-day living, it's extremely valuable, because it allows you to travel lighter doesn't say you'll change the geography of your life, your action for your life, but you'll travel lighter with whatever your life has in store for you. You know, what more do you want, really? Yeah, it's like better than 20 Thai massages, because it's a deeper relaxation. It's not a relaxation produced by any effort. It's a relaxation that, be, that produces effortlessness, really. I mean, the relaxation's first, and then the effortlessness is there. Yeah. It just works. And, you know, why not explore if your reference point... Does life really make sense to you? That Does it really... I mean, if you look at the thought system, the thought system... And look at it. It's driving you. Why don't you turn around and look at it for freaking once? You know? Seriously. Don't wait for someone to do anything for you. You're your own laboratory. Check it out. So, if you look at it, the thought system is using this only moment there is, you want to give it the name now, to think about yesterday and tomorrow. It doesn't value now. If it valued now, it'd be quiet unless it was needed. Like, my head works now a lot. It's amazing. If I lose keys, it remembers the last two or three places I was. I, it says, make a phone call, call them, and let's knock that. It's not there, it's not there. And when the keys are found, it recedes. You know, that's it. Its job is done. It works on certain levels. It's very, very good. And yet, but you don't want it as a companion the rest of the day, telling <laughs> you how you're doing, or how you were doing, and how they were doing, and how, you know, really, it's, it, its opinion in that area is sucks. You know what I mean? So it just recedes, and then you're now on. Interest and attention isn't wedded to that dead preoccupation about you all freaking time. And now that interest and attention starts enriching your life. Now, instead of enslaving it to yesterday and tomorrow. 
when it's under the guide of the thought system, you're free, you know. Not free like everyone, oh, he has such a loving gaze. No, like a dog should awareness freedom. It's not an experience. It's a basic condition that becomes the new norm. It's not whistles and, and bells or fireworks. It's quite ordinary. But you're awake to being awake, basically. Yeah? And day in and day out, on and on, and on and on, and on and on. Yeah? And then all the mental demarcations and the graphs and the lines and 12 a.m. to 12 p.m. and Monday to Tuesday, all these partitions and everything like that, they start just losing their edges. And then there's just one big, giant enchilada of an event. Yeah? And everything comes and goes, even the body, but you don't. You know? Even the personalities are actually experiences. You had the personality when you were a baby, that's gone. Experiences of when you're a young kid, gone. Teenage personality, thank God, gone. <laughs> then younger adult, gone. I've got an older adult now, personality, and it's the what it mostly entails is the fear of going. <laughs> it has a new topic. It's forgotten the babes. It's just like, I'm going to pass away. <laughs> I need more time to do what? Fuck up more? Who knows? Whatever. But <laughs> it's just another personality. The thing that's saying it's experiencing everything is an experience. It's not fucking you. You've had how many personalities? If you do drugs, you have a totally different personality, don't you? Some of you, I'd rather rather see you on drugs than being sober. <laughs> you probably have more fun, maybe. <laughs> you definitely would have more fun with me if I was loaded. But that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> but this idea of what you're taking yourself to be hasn't even been the same be. And, you know, it's, you've had like eight different changes already, you know, pasted on this one body. Yeah. That's not what was experiencing a damn thing. That's a story. What's been experiencing is the only experiencer, and it can't be experienced. What you are isn't going to be seen, isn't going to be heard, isn't going to be felt, isn't going to be tasted, isn't going to be touched. You're never going to have an experience of what you are. Yet it's infusing every experience that's had. You're never going to have an experience, ever. If you had an experience of it, it would necessarily not be you. Obviously, it'd have to be other for you to experience it. And you're, it's not other, it is you. It's more you than any you you've ever imagined and thought about. Yeah? That's what you are. How about entertaining the possibility that square three that's been masquerading as square zero is square three? And maybe if you tell the truth that maybe you do not start here, maybe you'll be dropped into where you do start. And prior is where the relief is, not after the bondage, because in priorness, there is no bondage. It's an activity. Afterwards, it seems as real as real can be. Prior, it's not real. So the freedom is right where you are at all times, with no requirement necessary, other than the requirements you've set up. If you're willing to let go of them, it's like an old story we used to use. There's not, as we call it, knocking on heaven's door. Have you heard this one, honey? You may have heard it a few years ago. I say that for my only special, well-paying people, but I'm going to throw it to you guys today. <laughs> I'm feeling compassionate, so this used to cost a thousand dollars. So here's <laughs> so here's heaven's door. All right. So let's say. You've been feeling this pull, this longing to know God or whatever. Go to heaven, see what it's like, see the angels and everything. So you feel pretty good. You've been meditating a while. You look pretty clear. Eyes are clear. Been vegan and stuff like that. Been doing a lot of service at soup kitchens. And you feel like you're ready. You've got the resume to get in there. So you go to heaven, and then the door opens up immediately. It was sort of off-putting. You think God, heaven's pretty big. How was he right there? You know, God. So you look right at him, and you go, God, can I come in? And so God looks right at you and goes, Paul, you can't come in. 
So, of course, I'm dejected, but I don't, I don't want to express my dejection. So I walk and I say, all right, I just re-up and I'm going to do more practices. So I, now I've gone to a retreats in like seven continents of the world, a South, you know, South Pole retreat yeah, with a shaman Eskimo <laughs> with ayahuasca blubber, ayahuasca tinted blubber. Yes. <laughs> that should do it this time. <laughs> At least I gained some weight up there. So, so, all right, I'm ready. I have the loving gaze, patchouli oil hair, nice new spinning garb, yoga pants. So it's, all right, I'm ready. I brought my, my Zazen pillow so I can sit for. <laughs> So immediately the door opens. It's still very off-putting. Like, how did he get there so fast? So I ask God, God, can I come in? And God looks right at me and goes, Paul, you can't come in. So now I'm pissed, you know? I mean, really. I said, this is, I'm fucking pissed. So I go off, stamping off, and I just start fornicating and fucking around, drinking and just doing shit. I could care less. Look very unkempt, like I do now. You know? <laughs> Something like that. Just like, what the hell? I'm tired of this, you know? So then I get caught in this river, and I get washed up on the shores right near the door of Heaven's Door. And something happens to my head. Cracks open for some reason. You know, the mind. And I knock on the door. And this time, I'm not surprised, immediately it opens, and God's right there, and I go, God, can I come in? And he goes, looks right at me, goes, Paul, can't come in? And I walk right by. I walk right in. Because what he was saying wasn't personal. He was saying, any Paul, any Jim, any Mary, any spirit identified as a body cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. I took it personally, so I walked away. But I could have walked in the first time I knocked on the door. When I realized I wasn't this, I was I walked right in. That's exactly what it's like, yes? It's as simple as that. Just maybe when you're doing your yoga and stuff and you feel that that incredible centeredness, that's more of you than what arises and said it felt that incredible centeredness. Yeah? The sentiness is what you are. The, the, the interpretation of it or the claiming of it is what you're not. When you buy into that claiming, your reference points gets reassembled there and now an interpretation ensues as the dominant thing. And then that state you're in becomes more infrequent at times, doesn't it? It gets claimed and now it becomes more infrequent. Or you have to do more to arrive there, and so on and so forth. You see the little cat and mouse game it plays? Just like an epiphany. People have epiphanies. Have you ever heard one of them? It's sort of like uh, an interruption of your linear story, you know, of the action figure. Something happens, and you're just. And you're very rarely. You don't know it's coming, do you? You don't make reservations or, you know. Like, I want Kenny G music pumped in, and, you know, Eagle Claw bathtub ready, and, you know, not too hot, not too cold. Lavender, you know, soap suds. No, you don't call up. It just happens, yes? And then there's just a big intervention, and there's just unbelievable, whatever. And then usually it ends, it coincides with this. The thought system goes, I'm having an incredible epiphany. Then the epiphany seems to stop, almost exactly at the point it was claimed. Yes? This is happening all day. All day. Your head is arising, saying saying something about you. You buy the you, and the you is presupposed to have been there before. When it wasn't at all in the epiphany, it was its absence which is the epiphany. It now claims its own absence through the presupposing. So it claims the epiphany. When it claims the epiphany, it uses it to presuppose it was the one that was before the epiphany and in the epiphany. And it wasn't at all there. This is it. The, the false, the non-existent thing reasserts itself as being you. The mind falls for it, starts there again. And then you start doing and having to get into a state of being, but all you do and have yourself into is a mental state. There you go. Can't present it any clearer than that. And I probably you'll never hear it any clearer than that. I guarantee it. At least tonight. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, beautiful, isn't it? Let me, I'll, I'll hit you with another one, though, just, you got some time. This is the same master saying it in a different way. Not, and not actually that simply. He goes, simply stated. He doesn't say simply stated a problem. He says, simply stated the problem. See, from these people's view, I don't know if you... Or like from the old Zen master's view, this is very, very clear. This is something they warn about all the time. A great Zen master, Hawaiian Po, from China, said that you can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You can't use mind, big M mind, to seek mind. You can't use light to seek light. You can do it for eons and nothing's going to happen. So in this case... The seeking for the Buddha, in a sense, is the way the mental process reinforces that you're not a Buddha. Yeah? It's a denial of the Buddhahood by using the pursuit of the Buddha. It claims to be the one that's seeking the Buddha, and obviously, if you were seeking the Buddha, it would presuppose you were not the Buddha. Because obviously, if you were the Buddha, why would you be looking for the Buddha? You know what I mean? It's very, I mean, it's not rocket science. It's just a little trick of mind. Same thing with mind. You can't use mind to seek mind. Because even though you call it you, it's mind. You're mind right now. All of us are mind. And so, when, if you recognize you are not that, this seeking mind then it will make sense why mind-seeking mind would never work. It will make sense why it hasn't worked for you completely. But what happens in self-centeredness, if something doesn't work, you inevitably get blamed, don't you, in a way? You're not doing it right, you're not doing it. But the formulation is off. You may be seeking the Buddha as the Buddha. You may be seeking light as light itself. You may be seeking mind as mind. Yeah. So, simply stated, the problem is that there is a perception that there is an individual self, this feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a body, yeah? which wants to extinguish itself. For me, drug addiction was just that. Every time I shot narcotics, I was trying to get out of self. And I'm telling you, I would match my drug addiction with any spiritual practitioner in the history of spiritual practitioners. I totally surrendered to cocaine. I gave everything I had to it. I got everything you had I could get, I'd give over to it. I loved it, unbelievably, more than anything else in this life. I was totally devoted to it. And yet, I, can't, couldn't, I did not transcend a damn thing because you can't transcend an imaginary place. This isn't real. We're lending it too much fucking credit. The only reality there is is watch looking right now. We are the reality. So, realization will be revealed. Oh, okay. Which wants to extinguish self so that the state of realization will be real, revealed. Yeah? Sounds good. But anything which this individual self tries to do to eliminate itself merely prolongs its own existence. See the little Chinese thumb thing? You're not going to get out of it. I don't care how much yoga with, with oil on you do. You're not going <laughs> to slip the thumbs out. This is like a lock for all of us. Not just, you know... There's no exemptions. It doesn't say, well, you know, on Tuesdays about 3 to 4, if you're feeling really good, this doesn't apply. No. Right? If one sees spiritual practice as something that one does to attain realization, there, there is no solution to this problem. There is no solution because the whole problem stems from the totally false assumption that this individual self has a real existence. If you see what's false, you'll be seeing from the, what's true. If you see false as true, you'll be blind to what's true. Simple as that. It's not going to change by the force of looking or how much you do. The blindness will assert itself 
every moment of the looking because it will be you looking. And that's the bondage of self. So now what do I do? Go have a coffee. (laughs) Things go on and on. This is like a spiritual subpoena. When I was served, it was like an unspoken yes. Something hit me because I had been practicing a long time stuff. And this sort of template put on all this behavior just just pretty much explained it all. And like and so at that point my spiritual pants fell down. I didn't pull them up for a while. And I got used to being naked in a sense. A great teacher just came and left. You didn't see him. Great. Fantastic. Oh, you missed that wonderful retreat. Far out. I'm happy it went. And I realized, Jesus Christ, I'm always exactly the same, basically, as in an errant state. And then things are passing like clouds in the sky. Whatever appears in the sky is not affecting the sky at all. But everything, everything has the opportunity to appear in it, but has no effect on it. That's what big M mind is like. Yeah. So when selfing stops, or when you have a lovely experience, yeah, and all that chatter in your head is uninteresting or stops, what continues? What's there to notice that something you used to call yourself stopped? Hmm. What is that? It's what's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. I found it helpful to have the right square, zero, so now Monopoly looks different, you know? I can be the boot, I can be Eiffel Tower, I can be a lot of things. It's, I'm not stuck in one. And then Baltic Place seems just like Boardwalk, so I don't feel like I'm rushing, you know. Just sort of like an action figure, things happen, and I truck around and I show up, hold the space because I am space, and the day goes, it's like an etch a sketch, you just shake it up, it's all gone, and a new one, thing, you meet different people, da, 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 oh wow, you shake up, and, but you just continue on and on and on and on and on. The source of all joy and contentment, right where you are at all times, with no requirement necessary to meet it. If you're willing to be used, it will use you. If you're willing to be led, you will be led. If you're willing to be directed, you will be directed. And you will know the tree by its fruits. You will realize, you'll have an intimation of what you are. You'll never know, but you'll find out what you are by it acting through you and others. And you'll start seeing the the master choreography going on here. Yes. Things you used to think were bad won't be bad. Things that you used to think were good aren't maybe good either. Things get sort of evened out and yeah, and then past the salt. You know, just go on and on. Simple. Not a big deal. But then you run into suffering and shit. And people... I come from a community of recovery where there's tons of suffering. <coughs> And they cause a lot of, seemingly, a lot of suffering in other people's lives. And most of it is generated out of what's not happening, really. Most people, if something's upsetting you tonight, it's not tonight that's doing it. It's last week or next week, yes? Or, have you ever had this experience? I always remember, if you have a job and then, uh, you know, you get off at 5, you've been there all day, about 8 o'clock, you you eat food and you're watching TV and then there's a CNN news flash in the thought system. You had a bad day, it tells you. Proclaims, yes, you had a bad day today, Paul. And you're like, what? Oh, yeah, that guy. You know when they were hanging around the cooler? They were fucking talking about you. Oh, I thought they fucking were. <laughs> but the fact is, if you were a conscious and in your own life, wouldn't you know it was batting when it was batting? Why are you on a 13-hour delay to get the news about what you call your day. You've got to see there's severe displacement going on. You're off out in no man's land until you hear from K-Paul, Unclear Channel, or K-Steve, how things are going. (laughs) 
I mean, I would be suspicious of that station. <laughs> you know what I mean? What happened in those thirteen hours? It's just sort of blocked out with a with a just a just an all comprehensive. It was a bad day. I mean, Jesus Christ! How many days go by that they're noted in your little notebook just like that? If you're not here, anything could have been here. If you're not here the witness, you'll rely on other witnesses. And maybe that witness doesn't see a fucking damn thing but the past. There's awakeness. Everyone is awake. You're incessantly on, yet you can become awake to being awake. And that's the value here. Awakeness is here. What causes it to be valuable because there is a seeming possibility that you cannot be awake to it. So when you are awake to it, it produces value. Only because it can seem not to be awake to. Yeah. Awakeness is just awakeness. But here, where it can seem not to be aware of, it's valuable if you are. Because it will answer a lot of the stuff that seems to be very ponderous. And how does this work? You will lose interest in all that. And you'll just be resting in what's so. And it's always so. When you do your yoga, you'll be there before the yoga pose. You won't be the the thought after the yoga pose. You'll be there before the yoga pose. You're there before everything. Without you, there isn't anything. You precede everything else. You do not come after a damn thing. If you know your place in the parade, it'll be a whole different experience. Yeah. You actually may lose interest in the experiences because it's much more stabilized in other conditions, not experiential, if you want to call them a state or states. But I don't, they don't, that term is only good so there's a contrast between experience. But there are other modalities that are much, have much more long-lastingness here than an experience. An experience comes and goes pretty quickly. But these, there's other possibilities you can rest in that span a huge amount of time of experiences. Yeah? So now you can have a stable condition and have experiences from there instead of having experiences try to change an unstable condition. Yeah? Yeah. Yes. I'm really sorry in some respects, but I'm happy. Now, you can hear it, honey. You hear it, yes? I hear it. um, Yes. I think that I kind of want experiences. Hmm? And I don't want to see life as Baltic or Av as the same as Park Place. I'm I'm positive that that's what you want. Because that's what you're having. Yes? Well... But at the same time, it can be exhausting. <laughs> and there's a reason I'm here. Like I can have obsessive thoughts and get caught up in that mind and the definition I've given myself through all my experiences and what I think others think of me, which I don't want to do. But I, I don't know that... Oh, you'll have experiences, honey. There just won't be an experiencer. I guess that's what resonated with me when you said it's life is more even keel. I don't know if that's what life is meant to be, or if that's the self, or, or whatever definition. You well, life is not meant to be anything other than what you make it. So you may be tired of how it used to be. I'm a little tired of the. Uh, <laughs> I'm a sort of, this action figure was sort of extreme, so. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, so when I'd have fun, it would attract people in uniform, usually, <laughs> and I'd be arrested. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that would be called having fun. See, I thought I was having fun, but a lot of other people didn't take kindly to it. <laughs> so, and you know what? That's beautiful. This is just an invitation. It's not a, it's not a, we're not indicting anybody. We just put it out there. If it, the shoe fits, you wear it and see. I know it can be, yeah, it has its own, I have faith in it. You know? I mean, I shared once at Staten Island at halftime of an NFL football game. I have. I mean, I've gone to strange places sharing this message, yeah. Not because I was looking for the right situation. There's no need for that. I have faith in mind, yeah? Mm -hmm. So maybe you'll go in your experiences, and one day maybe you'll see they're somewhat empty in all the experiences you acquire, yeah? Sometimes, it, if like some of us in this room, I've had tons of experiences. There tends to be something that's revealed that the inherent emptiness of experiences because they're like clouds, corralling clouds. When you look back, they're gone. It's like mist. They just they don't they don't keep shape and form. They're, they're like a flower you cut. And then we had someone gave us a rose this morning at the last place we were. And when we went back to the car this afternoon, it had died. Yeah, this is what happens with experiences. And then you're left with memories of them. And memories really now, when you entertain a memory. All you remember is another memory. You never go back to the event. So I would suspect, in a sense, nothing ever really happened here, to tell you the truth. Yes? But when you go have a memory of an experience, it's a memory. You never go to the experience ever again. So someone who hasn't had their full of experience, fucking rock on, you know, in a sense. <laughs> Some of us have had enough. <laughs> There's no better or good or bad, you know, it's just where you're at. And so obviously the message, like if I heard this when I was 19, which I did in a way, uh, but I could only hold it as I'm going to do myself into what they're talking about. So I was a big meditator and everything. And, uh, that failed, and in the failing of it, it succeeded because it left me with myself. And then, and then further, when I heard this message, I was left with nothing, and that was what I found I am. Yeah. So all of it works in a way because mind is unbelievable. It can use the dream to dream itself out of the dream. So maybe one day you'll remember this will be in there. And when you get, let's say you've had a, a long run of experiences and you're sort of feeling like it's the 15th round of a heavyweight fight that's rigged, you know, <laughs> you've been taking a lot of body punches, you may go, hey, Jesus, maybe. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe other possibilities will become interesting to you. Yeah, it's cool. You know, this is like I said, it's never an indictment, it's just an invitation. For people it registers with, their mind will use it and put it to good use and hopefully produce a little lightness. Yeah. So when you have an experience, you wear it loosely. Because experiences are used by the mental state to define you. And you don't want to get stuck in that definition because it may not, though it seems tight-fitting, it may not actually show you a true contour, so to speak. Yes? It may not really capture you exactly. And then your mind will get... Like crystallized in that idea, just like with surfing. I surfed a lot, yeah? Now I've been injured, so I can't really say I'm a surfer because there's no verb surfing in there, yeah? So the mental state loves to identify with what it's come in contact with, yeah? And then when you can't be doing it, then there's a, then there's a sort of upset that can arise with it. So it's always a two-sided sword, you may enjoy the identification, but a lot of times life will also show you the flip side when you can't do it. And let's say you believe that thing you're doing is the producer of joy, then you'll be separated from the possibility of being joyous. And that's a lie. You bring the joy into life. Mm -hmm. Things sort of uh, tweak it out or bring it out of you, but the joy is not in that. You're the joy. 
you're everything here. Things can trigger it and bring it out more, but don't make the mistake, it's that which you're doing that's producing it. It's you producing it through that what you're, what you're doing. Yeah. That way you never are weak, or that thing that you've relied on doesn't bite you in the ass. Yeah. Yes. So, Identity is a trippy thing, because no matter if it's good or not, it has a bonding mechanism. If you, ha- if you ever get into reading the old scriptures, most of them say it in one way or the other. There's a bondage to something that you're not as the primary dilemma here. Yeah? Or the identification as a body is the primary dilemma. That will usually pan out to be so through investigation. You know, they weren't misleading anybody. Yeah. It's just for eyes to see and ears to hear. It's when you're ready. I'm ready because, you know, fuck. Experiences became empty to me. Not that I don't like them. They're here all day. But I don't mind them for much because if you build a mine, the ore is going to be gone tomorrow. (laughs) It doesn't stay open long. Yes? Experience goes... And I've had tons of them. Where are they now? You know? I thought I'd put them in a box, but I lost the box, and now they're all gone. So, states, in a sense, just humbly, are much more sublime than experiences. Yeah, there are other aspects of mind that are much, much more sublime and, and fulfilling than an experience. To me, experiences are more of an expression, not a way to get something. I think experiences are, are an opportunity to express what you are instead of trying to acquire what you are through them. It's just a humble direction. So, yes, any more questions? This is